My name is Heidi and I love stories, funny stories and sad stories and what on earth just happened stories. As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. After two decades in Sunday school, plus a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. We've already seen Elisha interact really, really well with the poor and those who need his help. But now he's going to interact with some rich people who need his help. Some fancy people. The first of the fancy people Elijah is going to interact with in this episode is the commander of the army of Syria, Naaman. Syria is definitely an enemy of Israel, but Naaman himself is a pretty good dude. He's also got leprosy, which at the time was an incurable and absolutely devastating disease, not only because of the effects of the disease itself, but because it is highly contagious. It meant that Naaman, who had been given victory by God over Israel, who had been this great commander, was basically a total outcast. Naaman's wife also has a slave girl from Israel who was kidnapped from her home, and she takes pity on Naaman and tells her mistress that there's a prophet in Israel, and if only Naaman could go see him, he would be healed. Naaman takes this seriously and gets a letter from the king of Syria to Israel to say that basically he's not there to invade. He's not there to do anything but try to get healing because he's very, very sick. Naaman brings changes of clothes and money and wealth to the king of Israel and hands him this letter. And the king tears his clothes and is like, what am I supposed to do about leprosy? Thank goodness for Naaman and also the king of Israel. Elisha hears about it and summons Naaman. Naaman comes to Elisha's house and Elisha's like, here's what you got to do. Go dip your body in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman is pissed because the Jordan is gross. It's like muddy and probably, you know, got some human waste in there. And there are other prettier rivers in Syria. And he's just like storming off. And his servants are like, did he seriously tell you that all you had to do to get healed was dip yourself in the Jordan River? And the implication is like, he could have asked you to do something so much harder. Just go bathe in the river he told you to. And Naaman comes to his senses and goes to the Jordan River and dips himself in seven times. And when he comes out, his skin is completely healed. He no longer has leprosy. He has the skin of a child, meaning his scars, his whole lifetime of injuries is gone. He's been totally healed. And so Naaman returns to Elisha and offers him the 10 changes of clothing and the ton of money. And Elisha's like, absolutely not. I can't take it. And Naaman says, there is only one God in the world, and that is the God that is in Israel. And he asks Elijah for permission to take two great loads of earth back with him, of dirt, basically, so that he can build an altar to God because the God of Israel is the only God he will offer sacrifices to ever again. And he asks Elisha for one moment of grace, one last thing. When Naaman accompanies the king of Syria to the temple of Rimon, and the king bows, and Naaman bows, that God would forgive Naaman for honoring his king, even though that means he's bowing before another god. And Elisha tells him to go in peace, to keep everything, to take the dirt, and go. This is such a cool conversion story. And Gehazi decides to ruin everything. He goes and chases the guy down. And he's like, Naaman, Naaman, Elisha changed his mind. He wants some of it. Basically, Gehazi takes enough for himself. And Naaman's like, yeah, 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 totally. You know, I meant it when I offered the gift. And so Gehazi comes back. And Elisha's like, so where you been, buddy? Gehazi's like, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't go nowhere. And Elisha's like, do you really think that this is the time to be asking for money and clothes and crap? Well, here's the deal. Naaman's leprosy is your leprosy now. You're going to be a leper for the rest of your life and all of your descendants will too. 
And so Gehazi runs away, covered in leprosy from head to toe. Thankfully, Gehazi isn't the only prophet junior that Elisha is training. He's got a whole school of ministry. And they're like, here's the deal. We love being your students, but this place is too small. We need a bigger we need a bigger schoolhouse. And Elisha's like, yeah, no, totally. Let's do it. So they go to the forest to chop down trees to build this new place. And an axe head flies off of an axe and lands in a river, an iron axe head. And the young prophet junior is distressed because it wasn't his axe. He'd borrowed it for this little project, and now he'd lost it. Elisha asks where the axe head had landed. He throws a stick in to the area where it landed, and the axe head floats to the top of the river. And so the guy's able to go in and grab it. And they're able to finish their nice new prophet schoolhouse. At this point, the king of Syria was still warring against Israel and would set up camp in various places. And more than once, Elisha sent word to the king of Israel, like, uh, by the way, the king of Syria is going to be in this area, so don't go that way. And so the king of Syria's plans continuously got foiled. And so he was like, who is telling the king of Israel where we're going to camp? And they're like, it's Elisha, the prophet who knows everything. And so he's like, well, I bet he won't see this coming. Where is he? Finds out he's in Dothan. He sends horses and chariots and surrounds the city. And this is real bad. And people are like, Elisha, Elisha, we're so screwed. And he's like, don't worry about it. God opened the people's eyes and they see that the armies of heaven have also surrounded the city, that chariots of fire are all around. God's here. God's got this. He's not worried about it. And then Elisha prays again that the Syrians would be struck blind. And they are. They can't see anything. They're totally confused. And so Elisha's like, oh, who are you looking for? Oh, uh, you're in the wrong place. But good news, I know where you're going. And so he leads them all the way to the city of Samaria, right dead center. And then he's like, God opened their eyes. And so they realize that they're in the center of the city of Samaria. And the king of Israel's like, can I kill him? Can I kill him? And Elisha's like, no, you can't kill him. You didn't capture him. God captured him. Now feed him a nice meal and send him home. So he does. He feeds them a feast and sends him home. And Syria stopped raiding Israel for a while. Keyword here for a while. But Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, decides to invade Israel again, and he surrounds Samaria, and this time it's real bad. In fact, the siege lasts so long that even, like, a donkey's head is selling for a month's wages. Like, people are starving. And finally, the king of Israel has had enough when he hears a woman cry out to him that she and her neighbor had made a contract to eat one of their sons one day and one of their sons another day, but now the woman had hidden her second son. And the king is like, I bet Elisha's behind this and I'm going to have Elisha killed. And Elisha's like, yeah, no, I'm not behind this. God's behind this. But by tomorrow, uh, everything will be selling at like deep, deep discount. Bread will be selling for like a quarter of the price it normally sells for. The captain the king sent is like, uh, no way. And Elisha's like, yes way, but uh, you won't actually get to see it. Here's how that happens. These four lepers are hanging out outside the gates of Samaria because lepers weren't allowed in the city. And they were like, this is stupid. Like, we're going to die if we go into the city. We're going to die if we stay right here. So let's go surrender to the Syrians because, like, who knows? Maybe they won't kill us. So they roll up to the Syrian camp. Ain't nobody there. God had sent the sound of chariots and horses into the Syrian camp so that they thought that Israel had allied with the Hittites and some other people. And so they fled. They were like, we got to go. We got to go right now. And so they had abandoned camp, everything, horses, tents, chariots, food. And so the lepers start to gather the spoils and they're like, hey, 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 guys, 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 all four of them. 
this isn't the right thing to do. We need to go tell the king about this. So they do. The king thinks that the Syrians are lying and wait for the Israelites to invade their camp because they're all starving and then will ambush them. So he sends messengers to see where the Syrians are and they follow a trail of clothing and equipment all the way to the Jordan River because the Syrians are fleeing so fast that they're like ditching anything they don't need. And so then Samaria goes into the camp and plunders it. And Elisha was right. That's exactly how much bread sold for. So cheap. The person who doesn't get to see it is the captain who had sent the message from the king to Elisha. He is trampled in the gate and dies as all of the people rush to take the Syrians' spoils. And that's how the prophet Elisha fixed the economy in Samaria. Hooray! At this point, there's going to be a famine in the land for seven years. And so Elisha sends word to the Shunammite woman who we met last episode who had made a room for him and then she had a son and then the son died and then he brought the son back to life. You remember her. And so he tells her, like, hey, there's going to be a really bad famine, so, you know, get out of Dodge. And so she goes and lives in the land of the Philistines for seven years. When the famine is over, she returns, but her land has been seized because she's been gone. And she is headed off to the king. And as she arrives, Gehazi, you remember him, is literally in the middle of telling the king everything that Elisha has done and has gotten to the part of the story where her son comes back to life and she's like, oh, this story's about me. And he's like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. Anything I can do for you? And she's like, yeah, I'd like my land back. So the king's like, yeah, 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 totally, totally. And that's how she got her land back. Pretty great little uh, nice clean story. And at that point, Elisha's in Damascus. And Ben-Hadid, king of Syria, is sick. And I mean keep in mind uh, this guy knows Naaman so he's like we should send somebody to the to the prophet to see if I'm going to recover so he sends a guy named Hazael and Hazael goes to Elisha and is like will the king recover and Elisha's like you're going to tell him yes but God has told me no he going to die and then Elisha stares down Hazael until he's like uncomfortable and Elisha bursts into tears and now he's more uncomfortable and he's like what's wrong and Elisha's like, I've seen what you're going to do in Israel. It's going to be real bad. And Hazael's like, how am I going to do anything? I'm, I'm not important. He's like, oh, but you're going to be. You're going to be king of Syria. God told me. Now go back to your master and tell him the lie that I told you to tell. So Hazael goes to Ben-Hadid and is like, yep, you're going to recover. But the next morning, he smothers his king with a wet blanket. And Hazael becomes king Syria. And this is where we get to Jehoram in Judah, who we met way back in episode 41 when I mentioned that Jehoshaphat died, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, Jehoram is married to one of Ahab's daughters. And so Jehoram is an awful lot like the other kings of Israel. He's a king in Judah, but he's acting like a king in Israel, again, because he married an Israelite princess. Ugh. And she's the worst. And so he starts leading Israel down a really, really bad path. He reigns in Israel for a little while. And then his son Ahaziah takes over. And Ahaziah does not get a long career in Judah. He reigns for one year. He allies himself with Joram, king of Israel, and he, Joram gets wounded by the Syrians. And then Azahiah goes down to see King Joram because Joram is in trouble. And at that point, Elisha goes and finds a guy named Jehu. I know the names are confusing, but the good news is you won't have to remember very many of them. A messenger from Elisha goes to Jehu with a flask of oil, and the servant finds Jehu, who is a commander in Israel's army, and he finds him in a meeting of all the commanders, and he's like, I need to talk to just Jehu. And so Jehu dismisses everyone else, which is nice. <laughs> and the servant gives a word much more detailed than the one that Elisha gave, meaning God is talking through him. 
Elisha sent word that Jehu is going to be king in Israel. This guy tells him that he's going to take out every male in Ahab's family and he is going to take the throne pretty aggressively. And the other commanders are like, so what'd the messenger have to say? And Jehu's like, well, you know, messengers and they're talking. They're like, no, seriously, we know he came from Elisha. And Jehu's like, he said, I'm going to be king of Israel. And so all the commanders long live the king him. And so Jehu is now, at least according to the commanders, uh, totally down for being king. So Jehu mounts up and anyone that asks him if everything's okay, he's like, does everything look okay? Follow me. And so Jehu, on his way to go attack Joram, has assembled an army. By the way, Joram and Jehoram in Israel, I think, are the same person. It's real confusing. So he goes to attack, and Joram's like, we need to, you know, mount a counterstrike. So he mounts up, and Jehu has an archer shoot Joram from quite a distance, right between the heart. And when Ahaziah sees this, he's terrified and starts to run, and Jehu chases him down shoots and kills him. That means, by the way, that both the king of Israel and the king of Judah are dead. Jehu is about to take over in Israel, but there's still one really big power player who's left alive. In Jezreel, it's Jezebel. Yeah, Jezebel in Jezreel. And when Jezebel hears that Jehu is on his way, she puts on all of her makeup, all her fancy clothes, because she's going to try to seduce him. The idea here is, one, she could become queen again. But B, more importantly, she's using the power that she has and she knows that she can allure a lot of men. And so Jehu rolls up and sees her in the open window and she's like, hi there, soldier. What you here for? And Jehu's like, so who's on team Jehu? And a couple eunuchs look out the window and he's like, throw her out. And so the eunuchs throw Jezebel out of her own open window and her blood splatters all over the wall. Horses trample over her and They go to get Jezebel's body because Jehu's like, yeah, she's the worst, but she's still a king's daughter. But they found only her hands and part of her skull and her feet. At this point, Jehu's like, y'all remember what Elijah said. This is exactly what was going to happen. Jezebel got her comeuppance. Oh, look, she done come up it. Now Jehu has to take care of the rest of the family of Ahab. To make a long story short, there are 70 sons of Ahab in Samaria and Jehu kills every single one. Then Jehu throws a festival for Baal. He's like, everyone who worships Baal, who's a prophet of Baal, come and gather for this sacrifice. Because he's the new king in Israel. It's not that surprising he does this. But lo and behold, it's a trick. Jehu even sends out spies into this gathering to make sure that no one who worships God is actually there. And as soon as he finds out that it is only prophets of Baal, only Baal worshippers, he commits a massacre thus cleansing all of Israel from the worship of Baal. However, despite the fact that Jehu really did clean up Israel's act quite a bit, he wasn't a great king. He was a very violent man, and he didn't really carefully walk after God. He was kind of in and out. He did an okay job, but he wasn't the king that, of course, God was hoping to have. In Judah, by the way, the situation is even more dire. The queen mother, Athaliah, finds out that Azahiah is dead, and she assassinates all of the royal family. However, Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Azahiah, hides Joash, Azahiah's son. They hid him for seven years in the house of the Lord, while Athaliah is queen in Judah next episode little baby joe ash is going to come out of hiding 
we'll see how that goes in the next episode of Messy Scripture. Mm-hmm.